I think there's, there's not only one developer market, I think there's many different dimensions of a developer's market. If you don't make money, you have to shut down. To me, an investor is a big deal. This is yeah. somebody who is basically as important as a founder to your company. Why do all VCs wear sweater vests? They have a lot of time to spend at the gym. And so they, ha they have killer arms that they want to show off. Amazon is competing with everyone. I think Amazon is great at products that it builds itself. And Amazon is terrible at products where it copies someone. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of CircleCI. I'm Edith Harba, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by Heavybit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. So you want to talk about developer market. What is the developer market? So I think the very word developer market is a misnomer. Okay. I think if you look at an engineering organization, there are many different kinds of developers who have different roles or responsibilities who care about many different things. So you're saying that there is no one developer market? I think there's, there's not only one developer market, I think there's many different dimensions of a developer's market. Like I think it's not just like a, a I think it's not a flatland, but it, mm -hmm. it, even um, an n dimensional problem. So when we say developer market, do we mean the dev tools market or do we mean broader than that? I think they're kind of lumped together. Mm -hmm. I think when people think of developer tools, they initially think of, you know, something like a GitHub or Atlassian. Okay. But however, there's also database developers. Right. There's like Cassandra as a service is a is a developer tool. Yeah. The wants and desires of a database engineer are completely different than mm -hmm. a JavaScript right. developer. So Scott Rainey, when he was on the show a long time ago, divided the developer market into like four different spaces, right? There's ah. the do you remember this? There was the as a service. You're you're stressing my memory. I know, I know, my, my mine too. I'm like, I, there were four. What, what, what the fuck were they? <laughs> like so there, there's like editors and and like language tools. There's SaaS tools like Stripe that are sort of developer first, but are, are, are providing a non-code service. And then there's like SaaS tools like yours and mine that are that are sort of developer productivity. I've forgotten the fourth. Uh, Sean made a big impression on us. Yeah, so, Scott. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, this kind of came up recently because um, Rethink DB just did a, a really good postmortem. Okay. I'll sum it up by uh, well, they summed it up by they didn't get they didn't monetize. They had to shut down. Okay. Yes. Well, if you don't make money, you have to shut down. I think that's a usual, a very standard approach to business. I don't know. Some people continue to lose money for a long, long time. Well, I mean, if you're if you're Facebook, you can lose money for as long as you like because you have you have numbers that go with it. Yeah, or, or as opposed to like Medium, who very recently, though they had, I think, I don't know their numbers, but I think they had pretty good numbers. Just realized that ad support it wasn't going to cut it. Right, right. I think they also have a lot of money in the bank. Medium. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they they're cutting long, long before they hit their runway. They, you know, clearly it's thinking several years in advance and projecting that far and realizing this path is is not the right one. Yeah, ad supported businesses are really hard. Yeah, there's almost no developer tools in this space. And like the ads to developers, I mean, that could be a, a viable monetization, you know, ads to a specific niche audience, but no, no one sells ads to developers. So, as I understand it, I hope this isn't private information, Joel, apologies if it is. They make way more money off careers than, than they do off ads. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like at TripIt, so we had ads, but it was basically break even, even with 10 million users. Like how we really monetize was right. through our 
our premium products through yep. TripIt Pro and the product I started TripIt for for teams for business. Yeah, I'd been thinking of sponsored builds and and that sort of thing at Circle. So like paying to advertise the developers, and it, we we didn't go too deep into into the numbers, but it wasn't really a thing that you could. Uh, Monetize too well. It just really it starts to decay very quickly. Like when I was at Concur, and I think this is long ago mm-hmm. that I could talk about it. They tried this experiment where they they would sell ad spaces within an expense reporting tool. Okay. And this hugely pissed off their customers. Yeah. And yeah. and also by the way, the ad revenue was pretty minuscule. Like when you when you start to decompose it, like say um, TripIt has ten million yep. users, and now I'm just going to make up numbers. They don't remember the real ones. Yeah. But yeah, like. Yeah. Say two million of those are active in a month, and you're getting ten impressions per user. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. That's twenty million impressions, except for if you're getting like 0.1 cent mm-hmm. per thousand impressions. All of a sudden, you're like, this is not much money at all, right? And that was with a huge base of ten million users. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to make a bunch of money. Ads is a shitty way. What what was rethinks? Their monetization. They said they never really succeeded in it, that they couldn't mm. really convince people to pay for anything. Yeah, so th- I, I find that this is a, a common thing in the space that Rethink is in. So, so they've got an open source product and they find it hard to, to monetize licenses and so they created a hosted product. And I think in Rethink's case, they were right up against Meteor. So Meteor created not a database, but a real-time service. And Rethink was trying to Catch up with that, and Firebase had that too. Yep. So Meteor has all the traction behind it. Firebase has all the customers behind it, and not to mention the deep pockets of Google. Deep pockets of Google, right? Um, so certainly, certainly now. And when was that acquisition last year? Uh, it was a while. 2000, Two thousand fourteen, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I mean, they. I mean, to Google, they could be bleeding money, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The scale of bleeding money at Google scale is very yeah. different than you or mine. Yeah. So Rethink has to deal with those two big competitors, and it seems like they were kind of going in all three directions at once. They're building this essentially a better MongoDB, and they were building this the, the real-time enabler portion of it, and and the and the cloud, and they I guess never really hit monetization in any of them. Yeah, I mean that's what they put in their own postmortem, which yeah. was that you know they're just they're just spread too thin. Yeah. Those are, I think, three really interesting ways to look at at how you sell to developers and and developer market. So there's this open source plus plus plus, which I'd right? say like GitLab is trying to do. GitLab is trying to do it. And I guess MySQL was the original one of these, right? Because I, I feel Mongo. I feel Red Hat was a different sort of model, but yeah, Mongo, MySQL, both database companies. Uh, JBoss. That was an application server on top of a free something. <laughs> yeah, this is back in like two thousand two, two thousand three. They were an application server, and um, Citrix acquired them, as I recall. Gotcha. Were they profitable? Made made lots of money. I don't know. All right. To be honest, they either could have released their numbers, but it was long enough ago that I've forgotten, or they mm-hmm. could have never released them. So MySQL was uh, licensing plus the, uh, around the open source product. Was there, was there an enterprise? MySQL? Version of MySQL? I don't remember. Mm. Okay, what, what's Mongo doing? Services. Services. Okay, that's a shitty business. Or well, no. So Mongo actually had this huge thing where they were trying to tease some features out mm-hmm. and keep them at the enterprise level. Mm-hmm. And their base that's rebelled. Be difficult. Their base just rebelled, and it was actually yeah. a lot of very ugly hacker news posts. Well, right. that, that's always the dichotomy if you're open source. Well, James Lindemann has a very good. View on this, and he he talks about Heroku in, in in the day. What goes into the enterprise product and what goes into the into the developer product? And what he said is anything that developers 
feel is developery has to be available in the developer product. And in their case, that was a freemium product. So you want to do a Git push, you want to support HTTPS, those are developery things. If you want to have SLAs, access control lists, you want to have data retention policies or data destruction policies, all that is is enterprise and you, you, you're happy to, to charge for that. Well, I think that's a very good way to look at it because it, it differentiates what a, a, an end user cares about. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying the developer is the end user yep. versus what the company cares about. Right, right, right. Like, so an individual developer, to be really blunt, doesn't yep. care at all about data retention. So if you're in the... I mean, and I don't mean that in a no, harsh no, no, way, it's just yeah, like yeah, they're, yeah. They, they're individual developers, like job to be done. Right. I want to come up... I well, show I, up I don't think it's just job to be done, but I think developers like to think about technologies and, and not necessarily about policy. Yeah. Um, so if it's, if it's policy, it goes in, in the other one, but I think developers buy tools an awful lot like they're, they're building their side projects. Yeah. They're, they're all about individual productivity for right, them. right, right. So I actually, uh, so John Sheehan from Runscope has has this excellent tweet where where he describes what the developer market is, and he says it's a consumer go to market with enterprise dollars behind it. I totally agree, and I, I think where you get lost is where you're building something, and I say lost in that um, eventually gravity hits, yeah, and you could have something that many people love. But if you're not monetizing it, right? So I guess the two ways to fail then at being a developer company is is to build something which doesn't or can't have consumer like adoption, or that can't have enterprise dollars behind it. Yeah, and there those are a little bit to go all Greek mythology, like the Scylla and the Charybdis. I don't know that uh, that myth. Uh, you know, you kind of have to thread this needle of you need to get enough developers to love you mm-hmm. that the enterprise will pay money for it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because if the enterprise loves it, but developers hate you, yeah. So developers loved RethinkDB, but they didn't use it. They used Mongo, and people hated Mongo. Even like I guess anyone who really looked at it hated Mongo. It's like a, it's this marketing machine that, and the product didn't work that well, and it had all this like random crap in it that I, I don't know if you saw people dissecting. It had a it logged randomly. So there was like a, a call to random in the logging. So non-deterministic. Non-deterministic. It was like uh, if rand is less than zero point one. Oh. So the idea was that it would log ten percent of the time. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I know why they did that. To be honest. Well, yeah. There, there's a certain amount of sanity to it. Well, it's funny because logging and features like that are extremely expensive from mm-hmm. the from the supplier side. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You're, you're I, I, I keep hearing you, you talking about how. Analytics are really expensive, and and the only people who make money in analytics are AWS. Well, we haven't actually talked about this on the air, but oh, okay. But like, yes, I mean, like, I I think analytics are extremely expensive when you look at it. When you think about having to log every single event that's happening and store yep. it somewhere and process it somewhere, yep. that's expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the other flip side of it is that Google Analytics has completely commoditized this. Mm-hmm. Like, so the price of well, Google Analytics right. is free. L- logging in in a database is. I feel you should log. I feel a database should log when something goes wrong. Let there deterministically. Be Let there be add. logging. <laughs> but like getting a non-deterministic log just sounds like the most irritating thing in the world when you're trying to debug something. Yeah, and I mean I can see why they made that decision though because it's really expensive. Like cuz you're just generating so much content. So I'm not defending them. Yeah, sure, I'm just, sure, I'm just, sure, I'm just sure, saying, sure, like, sure. I'm sure that the logic of it is like. So my my background is content management, mm-hmm. and like, if left unchecked, you could generate content. Mm-hmm. Like, so I would suggest that, that that rethink did not fail because they logged every message. 
but they were generally regarded as you know what Mongo should have been. Yeah, so a side story about why I feel this way is so I, I used to I used to work at a big content management system and we mm-hmm. had an analytics product. The analytics logged such that it would log basically a day worth of content. Mm-hmm. And it would take roughly 26 hours mm-hmm. to process right. this data. So it was, you know, like one of those laws of physics. Like yep. they were constantly falling behind. Yeah, wow. And like their customers were getting more and more pissed off at them because like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like by two hours every day. Yeah, by two hours every day. So like yeah. at some point you're like literally months, and like then people just basically declare logging bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. And wipe everything out. So, so like it's it's just a tough problem about what to retain and what not to retain. Right, right. So in terms of business model, it sounds to me that that's I don't remember everything that that Slava said in the rethink blog post, but. They clearly didn't hit the licensing around an open source tool, which which is hard. Which is hard. Which is, which hard. is hard. I don't. Has, any, has anyone done a really good job there? Um, the one example that people hold up is Red Hat. Red but, Hat. But besides that, but they, I mean, they sell consulting around yeah. the tool. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, it's just really difficult. Yeah. And like, so go back to MongoDB. They tried to retain some stuff yeah. for, in their enterprise layer, and the people in the open source community who'd worked on that part. Yeah, or up in arms. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. If if you got open source people to write it, then then yeah. obviously. And they're like, well, not even that they'd written that part. Like basically, the the thing was, well, we've contributed so much to your free side. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then that gets, you know, we've we've helped you get all this free stuff going. Mm-hmm. We kind of looked at that as barter. Yeah. Was was the contributors' view? Oh wow. So they're not selling additional services on top of the free product. So the next step you go to is is hosted. And I know Mongo didn't go in this direction. So there's Mongo HQ, which is now Compose, and there was Mongo Lab, which I think also has a new name that actually provided hosting. And I think does Amazon have a have a Mongo hosting now? Someone someone has a Mongo hosting. Amazon's really all about Dynamo these days. Uh, right, that's their that's their NoSQL thing. Yeah. So so Rethink could have gone hosting, and didn't. What they said, and this is all us kind of secondhand mm-hmm. reading the same post, is that. By the time they go, there, they try to go there. They're just spread too thin. Right, right, right. They try to do that, but you know, you can only do so much. I think one of the most important things that a startup can do is say no. Like you might have a path. Right, so if you push yourself in three directions, you're you're kind of fucked. Yeah. yeah. And so they were trying to do the real time stuff as well as the yeah. So they push in three directions. They end up executing maybe forty percent at all three. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just picking one. Yeah. Of course, that means you have to pick one. And we've talked about this before. Like the yeah. lack of a decision is a decision. Yeah, yeah. Like they they said all three of these look like viable paths. Yeah. Which, as we talked through, all three of them could have been a market winner. Yeah. So let's kind of go down all three paths, and the the net result was by not making a decision about one. Right. They they, they need to make the decision far earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's tough because oh. you probably within the company they had people strongly advocating for each of these. Yeah. So uh, I actually interviewed at Rethink. Paul, uh, I love how every story collapses down to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I interviewed a, a lot of people. Um, so yeah, in, in just when we were starting Circle, I, I interviewed at, at Rethink TV, and back then, so this is before they had their their Mongo replacement, and it was a um, the premise of Rethink TV then was was it was a database that ran on SSDs, and every other database ran back then on uh, spinning disks, and there was there was no sort of like optimization for for how it worked. For how SSDs worked, and I think they got out of that. But when I went in to to talk to them, and I eventually got an offer, was like roughly around the time where I needed to make the decision of 
was I going to start Circle CI? And I think I was still in the okay, I'm going to work somewhere for a little bit to see if Circle gets legs. And I didn't want to commute to Mountain View. So that's a killer commute. Yeah, it really was. And so you went to Looker instead? Look out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I made many similar career decisions based on commute. Yeah. It's easier now, but I remember, you know, it used to be harder to find a job in the city. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think people started moving to the city around 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, it, it, people really hadn't started moving up here by certainly when I was when I was doing YC. My litmus, yeah, my litmus test is I remember I, um, I at the time I didn't own a car and I actually had to borrow my friend's car to drive down for an interview in Mountain View. Right. You lived in the city. I lived in the city. Right. And I drove down there and I interviewed and I was like, and they actually made me an offer. It was just a hassle just for the interview. Yeah, yeah. And same, um, I interviewed in Sausalito. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Sausalito, I could kind of justify because it it's beautiful. And I was yeah, like, yeah, you could, you could have a nice brunch overlooking the bay. Yeah, and I could ride my bike. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah, for yeah. when it's rainy and hailing. And, and when you want to go back uphill. Yeah. But um, I, I think people underestimate how big of an issue commute is. Yeah. I, I know we're getting uh, tangential, but I drove down to Palo Alto today and I was driving against traffic both ways, so it was totally fine. But you my God, I, I, I learned to drive to fundraise. When? Uh, when I was raising Series A. That's so right. I, so I learned to drive to, to be able to drive down to Sand Hill Road. Is it confusing? Uh, being on the wrong side. No, yeah. I, I didn't learn to drive on in, when I was in Ireland. So, so, I, so I, I've only uh, really driven in, in America. That's amazing. So, like, did you go to driving school or what did you do? Yeah, yeah, I, I got someone and like drove dozens of hours and then did the test. It was like four weeks from when I started. I, I did the test and I passed. That's so. Like, did you make a conscious decision? Like, I need to go fundraise and exactly. I, and I need to be able to drive down to, to Palo Alto to, to fundraise, or else it's too difficult. Because when I did the seed, I was. Taking the Caltrain and then I was cycling to Sand Hill Road. Oh, I remember wow. walking into VC's offices like dripping with sweat. Oh my gosh. Because like Sand Hill Road is, oh, yeah. is a hill. Oh, it's, 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 yeah, a, it's, it's a real, real there, fucking there's hill. There's no sand, but there's definitely the hill. Yeah, yeah. Like this is where you, you see the, the VC's like mountain biking on their $10,000 bikes and then all their spandex around there because it's really difficult to cycle around there. So that's a great story. Like, so you wouldn't like, so I bike everywhere. So you wouldn't yeah. like pause in the parking lot and kind of tell off. Yeah, you know, sometimes in the in the bathroom and the yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it was a disaster. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't in my spandex. I, I like was wearing <laughs> my my shirts and my jeans and and Converse and you know what I was commuting. Yeah, just, you know there was just a hill in the way. Yeah, no. Um. So the the cool thing about when we when we fundraised, um, me like um, I ride my bike everywhere, and what yeah. I really liked even between the seat and the A is how many more people were up in the city. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That makes it a lot easier. So South Park is now just like a mini San Hill yeah, Road. Yeah. Like down to like they're all cheek and jowl. Like, cheek and jowl. Like Red Point is right next to Shasta, is right next to Sierra, you know, like Oh, right, 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 right. They're all in the same like one on one South Park or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it really saved so much time. Yeah. So I I learned to drive to, to fundraise. And then I hadn't I'd learned San Francisco driving, which <laughs> which is which is difficult, but is not freeway driving. And so I wasn't comfortable on the freeway. And so whenever I arrived down in their offices, again, drenched with sweat because of like the fear of dying on the freeway. So in the end I ended up Ubering up and down. I thought you were gonna say like you took El Camino Real all the way down there. Oh, that that would have been a good idea. But what I discovered is that there's an infosec leak with Uber drivers. I think I think it was a lift I I lifted a lot at the time. A friend of mine was coming to my house. 
And he said, were you Dan fundraising in Palo Alto today? And I was like, yeah, how did you know? And his Lyft driver had told him what that there was an Irish guy that he dropped off here earlier who, yeah, it was crazy, it was like an $80 fare down to Palo Alto. Well, and then I been, waited and then I drove him back. Well, it could have been the intercom dudes. How do you know it was you? He picked up from that building. Yeah, but I mean that it was an Irish well, I, I don't think I lived in the same place as the intercom dudes. You're, you're not the only Irish guy in the city. I mean, but, like, uh, no, but, like... I, but I was the only Irish guy who lived. I mean, I wasn't actually the only Irish guy who lived in that building. But <laughs> I, you know, fundraising. It was it was a reasonable guess. Oh yeah, uh, um, I remember like we were going down a pitch. And we were pitching different firms. I realized that I was going to pitch the two firms. Like they're all right next to each other, same yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were literally the same building. I'm surprised that they don't have. Something set up in their wireless routers to know when an entrepreneur connects to their wireless thing that they've maybe connected to before. Oh, like wouldn't, wouldn't that be smart? No, but they all have their own individual Wi-Fi. Yeah, but like if you're you're in the same building, you can see all the all the next door Wi-Fi's. Oh, but I don't think you can see that somebody else is like has connected. Like, say no, no, but but maybe maybe you connected to what you've your computer's been connected to before. Can your they, phone's been connected. Can they sniff before. that out? I don't think. It, I mean, but if so, if you're if you're in uh, well, like Redpoint and Trinity are in yeah. right same place, and what Sequoia's in there as well. So like you go to Trinity and you've previously been to Sequoia and you connect to Sequoia's Wi-Fi because your phone automatically connects oh. to it. Oh, well, the nice thing about so Softech was our seed investor, and they're kind of right on South Park. Yeah, yeah. So I always had plausible deniability if somebody saw me around there. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just visiting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. And just hope somebody wouldn't see which offices I was actually going right, into. Right. 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 Like my 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 deep fear was that I wouldn't be paying attention. And I would open the wrong door. Oh, and just walk into the wrong office. Because they're all like. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, what if I walk into the wrong office? Because like a couple times, like I would walk out, I would be unlocking the bike, and somebody mm-hmm. new would walk by. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 Because I would ride my bike. I'm, yeah, I, I feel like people know when you're fundraising anyway. Like, oh, you're having a meeting in the Rosewood. I think you're fundraising. Well, that's a pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, maybe just, you know, I don't know, hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, so you don't believe in innocent meetings with VCs? No, I mean, you, you need to have those those relationship building. In fact, I'm having innocent meetings with VCs right now. Yeah. I mean, like. So fundraising for my new thing, yeah. except I'm not fundraising. Yeah. I'm I'm just like starting it off, getting feedback, all that sort of thing. But like inevitably it's it's the start of a relationship that that is going to turn into a fundraising cycle at some point. Yeah, I mean that was the same strategy I, I followed and I was like to me an investor is a is, is a big deal. This is yeah. somebody who is basically as important as a founder to your company. Yeah, except at seed when they're dis- disposable. I'm joking. No, you're not. No, I, I mostly am. But you see a lot of people w- with the party rounds. Where they're like, you know, where it doesn't matter, you know, they've got forty or eighty people in their in their thing, and like, I, I doubt they would know an investor if they ran into them in the street. Oh yeah, like I heard horror stories about um, I heard this actually at a conference we went to together. I sat next to a guy, and there was this trend about five years ago mm-hmm. where For the big party runs. Yeah, and yeah. people were just dumping money, and and so he met one of the partners at some event. Yeah, and he's like, hey, like your firm invested in me, like. The yeah. guy just like ran away because <laughs> well, they they weren't going to do the follow on, and he yeah, just like yeah, didn't yeah, want to yeah. deal with this guy. And he's oh, like, no, really, no. like it's <laughs> like, remember me? I'm here. Give me more money, please. Yeah. <laughs> he said, like, literally, the guy bolted in, like, yeah, yeah. So to get back on topic, I think you have to eventually monetize. Like, I think you can have really, yeah. Good... I mean, that that's how you make a business. Yeah, I think VCs will give you money at some point for just for promise. Yeah, but eventually that check comes due in terms of what have you done for me lately? Right. 
I think the most obvious way to monetize is to host it. And I, I'm surprised really at people who delay this. So like Mongo could have been the Mongo host. RethinkDB could have been the RethinkDB host. Meteor is obviously the Meteor host. I, Meteor actually is the Meteor host. I think it makes sense for some things and not for others. Mm-hmm. Like, and then there's like extreme outliers, like so our advisor Sean Burns' yep. company. Like I just totally said, advertising never worked. Yeah, advertising is what worked for them. Right, 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 right. Because they had this is uh, this is flurry, flurry. Because yeah, yeah. they had sufficient domination in the mobile market that the economies of scale worked out for them to do mobile advertising. Gotcha. Like so, I said, trip it was ten million. I I don't know their exact numbers because they weren't public, but yep. I think they literally had. Some huge, like ten times that. Hundred. Well, because they had. Really? A, well, no, because they had an SDK. Yeah, 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 yeah. That app yeah. developers installed. Yeah. So, like, think how many average apps there are on somebody's phone. Yep. And let's just back that out. Say they had. So zero point four. What? The, the average number of apps that I think most people have is less than one. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah. People who actually install apps. Yeah. So just say they had fifty percent of the overall mobile analytics market. Yeah. And multiply that worldwide, mm-hmm. and suddenly that's that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of users. That's a lot of users, and that's the scale when you can't actually yeah. be successful. Who with did they exit? Yahoo bought them. Yahoo bought them. I'm sure they made good use of them. You know, sometimes I'm not sure if you're sarcastic. <laughs> uh, so this so they're Verizon now. Yeah, which is funny because Sean actually started off at Verizon. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> he's he's not been there for a while, but Sean is great. His his mm-hmm. thing is that everybody eventually tries advertising. Right. I guess Rethink didn't try advertising. Maybe they should try it. I'm joking. Yeah, I, I, I think advertising know. works if you have immense scale. Right. Google, Google, well, like Google so, makes a ton of money. Facebook so hosting, makes- I think, is this strong model. So like Firebase is pure hosting, right? There is no way to use Firebase without it. Is there an open source Firebase? I don't think so. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tried to make an open source Firebase, but like I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody yeah. is right now trying to make an open source LaunchDarkly or CircleCI. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's like twelve open source circles, guys. So the problem you end up with a open source product, which is which is hosted, is you spend a lot of time building the hosting, and you aren't open sourcing the hosting. And there's a challenge for your customers to if they're going to run it themselves because they don't have the the like the the migration part of it. Mm. So. Heroku Postgres is uh, was a hosted version of uh, open source product, mm-hmm. and they ran stock Postgres. But the tool that they actually built is that their infrastructure tool around Heroku Postgres, which was not open source. Yeah, and you, you kind of expect the same is true with with Meteor and with all the other database hosts and that sort of thing. But Firebase went and just said like the service isn't open source at all. It's, it's like the whole service is the database, and and you know you can download the the libraries because the libraries are open source. But the you know the thing that makes Firebase Firebase is is hosted. That, that's kind of very similar to LaunchDarkly, to be honest. Like our libraries, yeah. our libraries, our SDKs are open yeah. source. We 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 love people like who want to modify our SDKs, but the core LaunchDarkly is all closed. Yeah. Like actually, our advisor today was like, uh, he's like, why don't you have a Swift SDK? And we're like, why don't you build with us? Well, so I I, I guess my point is that. If the core of LaunchDarkly was open source, what would that mean? 
So like you've got some data store which someone can run on their own machine, but then when they need to scale it up, they hit an inflection point or a, a multiple of ten. Like that would be extremely difficult for you to build a product that allowed customers to do that migration themselves. In fact, it's probably challenging enough for you to do the migrations yourselves. Yeah, I and mean, like controlling the whole architecture. Yeah, I mean that the something I said today was I'm not smart enough to build a successful open source. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, and monetize it like I'm just not like I I'm think. I'm not sure. I, I can't think of anyone today who's doing that successfully. Like so, a big, big unicorn at the moment is Docker yep. in the dev space, and they're not monetizing. I I don't think anyone knows how they're going to monetize. Yeah, and you know, I, I talked to a whole bunch of investors, and investors like it, it might be zero. Yeah, and investors are t- typically incredibly shrewd about this sort of thing. Well, everybody thought they were going to be the next VMware. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely. I definitely think containerization will continue to accelerate. I don't know if it's monetizable, mm-hmm. and and now just Docker and um, I know many people who work at Docker and I, yep. I like them, but um, they have this issue that they have such a high valuation, mm-hmm. it's very hard for them to get more right, money. Right, where, where did they go? Yeah, yeah. Like so, so I think they're a good example of something that can be extremely successful with developers. Yeah, but but not not have anywhere to go. Yeah, yeah. It might be that the the people who make money. I mean, hosting. So right, the people who are going to make money on Docker are AWS and Google. And in particular, Google, because they. You don't think Microsoft? Uh, so, M- Microsoft, but Google owns Kubernetes. Mm. And so, you can kind of think of Google's G- Google Container Engine, GKE, mm. as the de facto Kubernetes. Google Compute Engine or Container Engine? Container Engine. Okay. But that, that might be where the money goes and that it's spent on infrastructure. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like. I mean, so I went to both AWS reInvent and mm-hmm. Microsoft Connect, and for them, it was just all about the core. core Services, yeah. The right. the compute, you mean, or, or uh, just everything? Azure, yeah, is where Microsoft is betting their future, and that that's yeah. another factor that's played into the DevTools market. Is like Microsoft is basically giving away now, yeah, Visual Studio, mm-hmm. right, because right, because they're like, we don't care about the IDE, yeah, we care about where you host it, yeah, and we want that to be Azure, right, and. And so that that's an incredible competitive pressure, right? Similar to Google giving away Google Analytics of just bringing down prices. It's yeah. like, well, where do you, if you have Microsoft giving away IDEs, how do you charge for an IDE? Mm-hmm. This is, I think, going to be a major problem in the developer tool space going forward. That Amazon is going to someday clone your service. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing yeah. it right now. Right. I I didn't specifically mean launch darkly, but absolutely. You know, I'm sure they'll have a terrible name for it. Um, <laughs> AWS flags. They actually had flags. Oh, okay. They did have flags. Mm-hmm. However, what they didn't have is flag management. Oh, wait, they had flags. Yeah. What 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 do you mean by flags? They had a Amazon flags. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they kill it? They killed it. Oh. They never kill things. They killed it. Wow, I guess you got lucky. No, I think they weren't making any money off of it. It was expensive. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I guess you got lucky. I don't think we. I think that like so the real value of what we're doing is not a, a boolean is incredibly simple. Like a single flag. Sure, 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 sure. What sure. we do is managing a bunch of them and controlling all the different case statements and actually the business logic of it. Mm-hmm. This Paul, is the Paul, segment Paul. of the episode where we where we plug launch darkly for a while. I wasn't plugging launch darkly. I just I looked across your launch darkly T-shirt. Of course, and it looks so good on you. That it, it's it's a great T-shirt. It's a wonderful T-shirt. Yeah. But I think this goes back to what you're talking about about Heroku. Mm-hmm. It's the same division of the stuff that's valuable to enterprise. It's all the management layer, right? Right. 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 Something I, I find keeps coming up in in these discussions is that Heroku wasn't a success. 
depends how you define a success. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I believe Heroku was a success. So it, it, it had massive impact, changed how developers did everything, and sold for over a hundred times revenue. We're in the house that Heroku built. We are, we are. Heavy bit is, is the house that Heroku built, and it looks very, very similar to the house where Heroku currently <laughs> lives. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't saying that facetiously about successes. I mean, yeah. like, so Heroku exited for hundreds of million dollars, yeah. and then founders got very wealthy. And then, they changed the world, or our small part of the world, which is not an insignificant part of the world. And then they did something which was either selfish or selfless, which they said, let's give back and invest in more companies. Yeah. And they started heavy bit. Right. But the investors will say that that outcome wasn't a meaningful outcome. Oh. Yeah. And so, and, and I guess to a certain extent, it wasn't like a 200 million exit on. I mean, I, I think it all depends on what scale you're operating. Well, exactly. So the seed investors, and I, we share an investor. We, we we share a couple of investors, but I remember uh, Steve you, Anderson saying, "So circle I, CI." You, oh, you and and Heroku. Uh, okay, not yeah. not we, you and Lusher. not 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 yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, Steve Anderson from Baseline was was in, and I don't know the exact way that his fund works, but I remember. You know, finding out that a Heroku exit for a fund of his size was fantastic, and that goes back to fund dynamics, right? Right. Like so, like for an angel, a typical angel investment is between like five to fifty k. Sure. So yep. for them to get even a double or triple is right. So they, an angel investor who got into Heroku at the time, you know, valuations were probably around the three million mark. Yeah. Right. So they sold for sixty times that with let's say forty percent dilution. Yeah. Right. So you take your twenty five k and you've turned it into half a million. That's pretty meaningful. Buys you a nice house. That's that buys sends your kids to college. That buys your Tahoe house. That yeah yeah yeah. I mean, actually, we're in San Francisco, so it doesn't buy your house. Well, it buys your Tahoe house. Does it? Uh, is can you get a house in Tahoe for four hundred k? Like in Kirkwood, a condo. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like a little ski. Yeah, or you could you could like move a, somewhere. Our, our producer is nodding his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in, you could buy a Tesla in San Francisco. That gets you a parking spot. Yeah, like. <laughs> I, I think I think that's it. But um, I, I think it's just so what you said by meaningful outcome. I think it all depends on the dynamics of what your valuation is at that time. Like so, for Docker at this point, which is probably I think valued at over a billion. Uh, sure. la- last I heard. So for Docker to get. Sold right now for three hundred million would would be a big kind of uh, yeah it would be it would be terrible and in fact they've probably raised in the ballpark of three hundred million so like no one would take money out yeah but versus you know so a smaller company like Trello for example who just got acquired yeah yeah so this, this is actually four hundred and twenty five million this is actually a great example yeah so they had only taken and I think like eight to nine million yeah got acquired for four hundred million that's pretty yeah. meaningful yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So I think the word meaningful really correlates to how much money had been taken in at what valuation. Right. And when you're talking to people who who have $300 million funds, yep. then Heroku does not look meaningful. Oh, they, no. they always want to make back a fund's worth on a single investment, and so Heroku it looks like, yeah. Cool. And that in the eyes of those developers, they start to think, oh, DevTools is not going to... like. They, they think Heroku didn't... Get the value that they created. I think that comes back to money in versus money out and fund dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you can look at you know, your your decision to invest or not invest in in a hosting company a little bit as as you know is Amazon going to come and kill this? Where's your defensibility? Where are your network effects? And GitHub 
is a really good example because GitHub survives, mm. right? GitHub has all the network effects. Mm. GitLab is struggling to to get anywhere near it. They don't have the same developer love, right? And I mean, there's some love there, but AWS built their Git hosting thing because I guess they could, and I'm sure it makes meaningful money for them, but it doesn't meaningfully impact GitHub's Git market. I'm not sure it makes meaningful money for them. So I mean, here's here's a big company problem. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I was working at a company and I had started what to me was a huge success. Like mm-hmm. I'd grown my business unit from literally zero. Mm-hmm. Like I like I started it and I had done the customer discovery. We built the product. I'd gotten it to a million dollars in about a year. Yeah, which to me was huge. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like a huge success. I yeah. was super stoked. So the rest of the company, they're like, uh, it's not big enough to be meaningful. Yeah. Like your total addressable market is probably going to be like fifteen million, and, so, and and at the time I didn't really like that at all. But now looking back, is like that company was absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So they they wouldn't they wouldn't invest anymore in my product line, and it was it was hard because like right. and that's why you really have to match not only um, developer traction, mm-hmm. enterprise love, but also total addressable market. Right. Which I hated at well, the past, I, but I, now I get. So I think that that's true for most. So most companies who are who are in the dev tool space are coming at it as a one product company, and right? and oh, people like us, so we'll make money. When I'm like, people can love you, and you can make zero money. Well, what I'm getting at is you have to be able to extract the value if you're a single product company. Whereas Amazon is a many, 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 many product company. I mean, AWS alone. And like Amazon itself is like, like they have a game studio. I saw, I saw the Amazon movie Manchester by the Sea the other day. They're n factorial. Yeah, it's crazy town. So when Amazon or when AWS makes a product, their driver is does it drive usage of their other products? Well, that's so they don't necessarily care about making money on that product itself, or, or even having a positive gross margin. Well, that, that's why I mean that Google Analytics has killed the rest of the market because Google Analytics cares about driving revenue for Google AdWords. Right, right, right. Yeah. So when their price is zero, you're a little making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it makes people buy more AdWords, yeah, that's the same with Microsoft and IDEs. Whether giving away Visual Studios or like if this is driving Azure, yeah, because we're making it very easy for you to build and then deploy on Azure, yeah, yeah, that's what we care about. So, 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 so it's how very, do you build a company in a space where Amazon is just going to eat you? Well, Amazon can't eat everything. It can eat anyone who gets successful enough for them to eat. And I know that, that that's not true. So I have an opinion on Amazon products. <laughs> have, I, have I shared this with you? I, I think I've avoided saying it on the podcast, but I'm cool with it. If you're cool with it, go ahead. I'm, not, I'm never so, going to make you do anything. I, I think Amazon is great at products that it builds itself. Yes, we, I totally L- agree. Lambda. Yep. Wonderful. Wonderful. Alexa. Amazing. EC2. Yeah. Right, they built that. And Amazon is terrible at products where it copies someone. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know how they go about copying it, but I guess they, they, they take a PM, they say copy that, and then it gets built. Well, and then, um, so I've, I've been in markets before, like, so TripIt had many copycats, mm-hmm. and they would right. copy our, we've talked about, it, they would copy our mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, would copy yeah. our false starts. They yeah. would copy, like, the things that we were ashamed well, so, of. So in the developer market, we talked about the fact that it's consumerization. You know, the, it has consumer adoption. And that means that it has to have that, that consumer level innovation. If you're not innovating in the developer tool space, you probably haven't got a really good product. Or you, you probably can't own the market if you're not the innovator in the space. And even beyond that, I think to go back to Amazon, if it assumes that you're on AWS to use this tool, yeah. there are a lot of people that for various reasons do not want to be on AWS. I think there's a lot more people who have to be on AWS. 
It's surprised. So like Walmart as a policy will not use any AWS tools. So this gets interesting because Walmart and people like Barnes and Nobles and Target, and pe- people who are who Amazon is competing with them uh, in some way. Yeah. But Amazon is competing with everyone. They, they've they've got a game studio. They've got they've got a movie studio. They're making TV shows. They're competing with Apple. They're, Do they have a CI tool? They have a CI tool. What's it called? I don't know. You shouldn't look, even look it up. <laughs> I won't mention it again. Yeah, I think, but I, I, I think they've tried three times to build a to build a CI tool, and, and uh, I know it doesn't. Well, so actually, that's my point that they they, yeah. they copy actual innovation and it doesn't really end up anywhere. Well, so you go back to like, of course, Amazon is going to eat everybody, but I completely disagree. I think if you're doing something sufficiently undifferentiated, so so in the open source space, if you're building an open source product and it's easy to host, Amazon will eventually host it. Yeah, yeah. But if you're building something that has some level of um, Delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, so, like, like pleasure in using. Right. Like people, I th- I people think, like using Circle. So this is interesting because I think there's um, the infrastructure market, and you were talking earlier about the the developer market is, is split up, right? So if you're hosting Cassandra, it doesn't matter whether whether Amazon's doing it or whoever else is. Doing and, in, it. and in fact, that's what you're trying to obscure with hosting. Right. Right. Like you don't so care. Amazon has Cassandra now. Yep. And it has Kafka. Yep. And they are Amazon is the infrastructure company and they will continually be the infrastructure company. Which they're and if you're at. trying to build an infrastructure startup, Amazon may kill you. But if you're trying to be a product startup, Amazon is not as good at developer products. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that there's only so much you can talk about, but why do you think they tried three times to build a circle and failed? Well, I mean, they, they launched this thing that only works with like Java. So developers have have a consumer mindset. That means they like products with good UX that that, yeah. that have good usability. If if it feels like Dropbox, you're probably on the right track. And if it doesn't feel like Dropbox, I know Amazon has has some like disk space thing that I wouldn't even try using because I know that it's not going to be like Dropbox. Yeah. And yet you use AWS for all your hosting because be, so because it's it's commodity. Yeah. Right? It's it doesn't matter to me where the machine comes from. And in fact, Amazon invented that whole market, right? Yeah. So it did it better than anyone else because it was inventing it. Yeah. And then other stuff it just kind of copies and it doesn't do as well. I think it blindly copies. You think it blindly copies? Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. And where where there's differentiation to that with with let's say Amazon Kafka. There is differentiation that that Amazon are extremely talented distributed systems engineers who can who can really build and Kafka kind of looks the same, regardless of how you of how you use it. Yeah, Kafka's Kafka. Yeah, I thought of a bunch of puns, but I just kind of like sucked them all back in. Okay, so <laughs> going back to to rethink TV. So we talked about we talked about hosting, and we talked about so, the the business model around the the open source thing. What was the what was the third one they tried? Real time. Real time. Okay, so they tried a new product direction at the, as a hail mary, I guess. It was unclear from my read, like what order they were trying them in. They yeah. just said that they tried all these. Right, right, right. Like they said, the inability to monetize was more of a symptom of a disease. More symptom of a disease. Well, they said, well, people said we shut down because we failed to monetize. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's the symptom. What was the disease? That they tried all these different things and none of them worked. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we, we we talk a lot about validation here, and we talk about people validating business models and and, and so on. I think it is difficult to approach a developer market without knowing in advance what your monetization is going to be. I completely agree. Having had people we both know, like companies recently, mm-hmm. founder yep. or shut down, they were the ones who thought 
I will build something cool. Yep. And then magic will happen. And magic will happen, right? Right. And I, I will go even further because I just gave advice to a friend in um, a totally different market. It's mm-hmm. in um, sales automation. Oh, and it was so painful because I talked to him about six months ago, and he had salespeople, he had engineers. I talked about this in a podcast, mm-hmm. and he had no marketing and no product manager. Oh, of course. Yeah. And my advice to him back then was, you know, maybe think about doing some marketing. <laughs> and he'd said a classic thing, which is, oh, "We'll worry about that later." Right, and now it's six months later, and he's like, "Well," and he hired a marketer. No, he's no. running out of money. Of course, he is. He's yeah. running out of money, and he's like, "We have a product that we have some early pilots, mm-hmm. but no meaningful revenue. Yep. So you can't go out and raise on the back of revenue. Yep. We need to get money in so that we can try marketing campaigns. Oh my god, it hurts. It hurts, so, and it hurts. It hurts so bad because, I, I, and it, so this is not a developer tool. Totally yeah, different yeah, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. He's like, we don't have any proven marketing channels. We have a couple pilots that are doing decently well, but no yeah. significant money. And, and that's when I really crystallized that I think you have to do sales, marketing, and product, not in yeah. serial, but in parallel. That's right, yeah, yeah. Like, you should always be trying those together. Did you see Brad Feld's essay recently? No. Oh. So it's called The Three Machines. Oh. And the three machines are the customer machine, the product machine, and the company machine. I totally agree. Yeah. You should constantly be kind of, hey, does a sales motion work? Yeah. Does it work with our marketing motion? Does it work with our product? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. kind of making fine-tuned corrections. Yep. Like I was putting together um, a talk I want to give at Heavybit on category creation. Mm-hmm. And originally I had it broken up uh, to, like so I was talking about how I got in businesses over a million. Mm-hmm. I originally broken up to, well, we built the product, and then we did the marketing, and then we did this. And I'm like, no. Yeah, that's right. You, you did you did it all at once. You and you have to. Yeah, yeah. So my new thing that I'm starting at the moment, like I've built almost nothing. I've I've a shitty little prototype. As well, you should. And. I'm spending significant time at the moment thinking about my go-to-market because should. the go-to-market completely affects what we build first, oh, yeah. or, or like w- w- which version of it, which iteration of it. It's it's a huge product that we're looking to build, or a huge platform, or whatever, and we need to pick a subset of that. We need to reduce scope to to something that that gets us a proof point yeah. that, that that de-risks a certain part of of, of the product, uh, or of of the market, or you know, essentially how we make money, whether whether we're going to be a big business. And it really matters which one we did. And if we if we just like sat and built, we'd be completely fucked. And the the temptation, and there's a lot of companies who who sit and build and somehow get away with it. Give me give me an example. So Meteor, uh. Slack. It's not exactly the same, right? You never end up in the same situation as those people. Mm. So like you know, Slack is successful founder, like. Big, big, successful founder who, who was able to raise a who raised a lot of money, and they had the time to wait on the basis of of the thesis of like you know it's going to be this beautiful product that, that that people love. Generally, as a first time founder, you are not in that situation. Spontaneous combustion does not happen. Right, right, right. Uh, spontaneous combustion rarely happens as it is, and when it does, is usually something very special about it that you can't see. Or some combination of factors that might be completely temporal. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Like you can't make a Snapchat right now. That's right. Yeah. So another friend I thought was really smart. I saw him. Um, oh, it pained me this one also. So two-person company. Mm-hmm. I talked to them about six months ago. They had two very promising early pilots, pain pilots. Okay. For like tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And my advice to them then was like, go raise immediately. Yes, that, that sounds like excellent advice. And I saw them six months later and I said, how's it going? And they were like, we should have taken your advice. Oh, no. They had not been able to get anybody else. 
pilots. Pilots. Oh wow! And now it's six months later. Yeah, they they can't raise their. And the smart. So thing, what was it? A dead end? Like was it a product dead end that they just happened to sell two of? They don't know. So the smart thing they did is they uh-huh. said we're going to stop building. Yeah. They pulled both of them. So they said, two of them. Yeah, yeah. And they said we were going to go out and try to sell this. Great. Like, and we were going to figure out if we have a sellable product. Yeah. Because if we don't, like maybe these two were just we're flukes. We're flukes. We're yeah. friends who are doing us a favor. Yeah. That, and that that's a disaster. Yeah. That like you, you you could be taken down the wrong road by. Yeah. yeah, and the part that pained me was that you're both these pained me because the my advice had been raise immediately on the promise of these two pain pilots. Yeah, and now they can't. Yeah, because six months have happened now and they can't. And my other friend, the one who said, "Is this a developer tool?" It was um something around develop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one, the, the sales automation. Mm-hmm. He's like, we need some money to go get some marketing campaigns going, mm-hmm. but we're running out of money. So. We've talked a bit about about rethink and and but for the overall developer space, you said at the start there's selling to developers, right? And then there's like selling developer tools, and then the selling infrastructure. And it's interesting that they very often have different metrics around them and and what it means for success. So if you're in a SaaS company at the moment, and many developer tools companies are SaaS, to raise a good Series A is a hundred to two hundred and fifty k MR is the expectation. As a counterpoint. Uh-huh. Like Thomas Tung is, says that twenty seven percent of Series A companies have zero revenue. Well, so 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 this is exactly my point, right? And, they're, and they're, I, they're not all SaaS. Uh, is is Tom Tung is talking about SaaS companies specifically? He's just talking about general companies. So the infrastructure companies, you can't have a hundred k revenue around your Series A. I know for a fact two dev companies who've raised far more than that with zero money. Sure, sure, sure. And not every company is built the same, depending on the founders, depending on the market. You know, the, the, there's a lot of things. They the, the raised significant money with zero, but it was basically similar to Docker mm-hmm. that people were betting on the total aggressible market. Right. What What were these companies? Can't say. Can't okay. Say. Um, you'll have to tell me after. Uh, is famous one of them? <laughs> I, I know you wrote that that mocking thing about famous. It wasn't meant to be mocking. It was meant to be kind. Mm, that's not how I read it. <laughs> Do they shut down yet? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know. No. So my point is that Series A for a bunch of different companies looks very, very different. And so if you look at RethinkDB when they raised their Series A, they're a database company, yeah. right? So w- w- what do you raise a Series A on? You, you you raise it on technology. You maybe raise it on on early customers if there's a if there's an enterprise uh, sales motion. But you don't need to raise it on revenue. Yeah. Because that's not the expectation. Well, and, and more, and so this is what what, what I've. The challenge that I faced when I when I raised for launch darkly is that people would say, "What's the what's the total addressable market?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Like, right. Like I can do back of envelope of backing out stuff, but it's yeah. not like it's not like rethink DB where they could say, "Well, the database market is mm-hmm. blah per year yeah, says yeah, yeah. this analyst, this other analyst says that." Yeah. Like I was basically creating the feature flight market. Right. It's a SaaS developer tool. It's not a developer tool. It's a PM tool, but it's not a tra- yeah. Oh, for it's, for launch darkly. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and yeah. How did you back into like what numbers did you back into, or what what segment of the market did you try to make it a metaphor of? I, I just would like to make a joke. Why do all VCs wear sweater vests or vests? Is um, it- because they they're not allowed to wear suits. Ah, yeah. And they're cold. Uh, no, no, just like the they Silicon Valley, much like the rest of the world, has has this sort of identity politics. Yep. All right. Founders wear casual clothes, and the suits don't want to seem like suits. Mm. 
Right, so the VCs are the suits of of the valley. Yep. Uh, and they need to look like they have money, mm. and they need to look respectable and professional, and and they need to be recognized as as the money in the corner when the talent comes to visit. <laughs> but at the same time, they can't wear suits because they like then, they're, they're mocked as as being the suits. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to wear a, a sweater vest. But why a sweater vest? Why not just a sweater? Uh, I I don't know. Because like everybody else, like all the techies wear hoodies. Right, it's 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 their identity marker. But like, why no sleeves? I I actually don't know. Oh, I have a theory. Being VCs, they have a lot of time to spend at the gym, and so they have <laughs> they have killer arms that they want to show off. But no, I mean they wear a shirt under these vests. Oh, then then I can't help you. Yeah, I mean no. they're not like you know like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean they're not like. <laughs> I was about to go. I, I, I went. I went on the. Um, on the Silicon Valley Bank ski trip last year. Oh, I really wanted to go. It was, it was really good. I really wanted to go. So um, it's it's a bunch of founders and it's a bunch of VCs and you know some some bankers. And we went we went skiing in in Squaw, and there was really good snow and we we got really skiing. I've been skiing since I was since I was like three. So if 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 you had to pick between skiing and driving down to Sandhill Road, uh, I I would ski there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking like I'm gonna be yeah I'm gonna be an amazing skier in the group because like these are old bankers who live in California. Oh, oh no! Uh, but like that's what they do with their time. They're ferocious. Oh yeah, but they go up to Tahoe every weekend. We're we're building companies and shit, and they're like skiing. Oh, I mean, like they they bought their Tahoe cabin. Right, right. I, I'm and I'm generalizing a little bit, but. I was expecting to be above average, and I was not even close. Wow! Yeah, yeah, like and all of them, all the VCs, like the, the, everyone can ski. Oh, and very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they like um, and they, they pride themselves with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were such a good skier. I've I've been doing it a long time. Where are the mountains in Ireland? Uh, they're in France. Oh, yeah. That's why you also speak very good French. Oh, I grew up in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. So I was skiing young, and then I lived in New York, and so skied there. And so why do you why do you have an Irish accent then? Because I grew up in Ireland. But I thought it would be such a. And I grew up in lots of places, including Ireland. <laughs> There's a lot of growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, yeah, a mediocre skier because I, I grew up in Virginia, mm-hmm. and the biggest mountains were in Pennsylvania, which were not really mountains at all. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's more like a, a big hill with a sheet of ice. Well, Tahoe kind of isn't mountains either. Except this year, when apparently the snow is amazing this year. Yeah. But when the the first few times I went skiing in Tahoe was during the drought, and like that wasn't that wasn't snow. That was that was misleading. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Tahoe's better than that, is what you're saying? Yeah, Tahoe. Okay. Tahoe in a good year is. is I'll, quite good. I'll have to try Tahoe this year. Yeah, it's funny. So maybe that's where all the vests come over as thirst. Oh right. Well, the, the, there is this sort of um, North Face culture going on here, so maybe, maybe it's maybe it's related to that. Well, it is funny now that I think about it. Like the the cult uniform for a founder mm-hmm. is a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. And a VC, it's not a hoodie. It's. I mean, yeah, you, but they're dressing for their uniforms. Yeah. Like we are. I don't know. I I kind of uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you you need to get like a hoodie dress. <laughs> like a dress with a hood on. You, you wear a dress like all the time. Every day. Yeah. Don't you need to fit in the the uniform somehow? Get your people to recognize that you're a founder. <laughs> I think there's a bigger issue than that. Uh, I mean, I think if you got a tailor to put some hoods, some like gray <laughs> American apparel hoods onto your dresses, I, I, I think you could uh, you could really start a new trend. <laughs> the hoodie, I do wear my lunch darkly hoodie with my dress sometimes. Okay, good, good, good. Like, like 
I think a hoodie dress is kind of wildly impractical. <laughs> because like nobody ever actually puts their hood up. That's that's absolutely true. I've been living in New York and you put your hood up there. Yeah, but it's like fucking cold. But like in San Francisco, you know it's cold when people put their hood up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Almost never. Almost never. Yeah. Occasionally you'll see somebody like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it must be cold out. Yeah. My favorite hoodies were um to keep because they actually had Oh, they had the the ears in them or something. Yeah, yeah they, they, they had a monster logo thing going on. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, they, do they have tails? Do their hoodies have like tails at the bottom? They're all different creatures. Every hoodie is a different creature. So they got a creature for each person who got an individual hoodie. Oh wow! I don't know if they that's did. VC money well spent. <laughs> I think it's well spent if it makes people feel loyal to the company. No, I, I like actually totally agree that they're on that they're yeah. part of something bigger. Uh, a, fr- a friend, um, you know, um, Sean Lynch, yeah. referred to some startups as venture-backed social clubs. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, it's just that, like the you know, when, when you're building a startup, you know, some people build venture-backed social clubs, a place for their friends to hang on on VC dime. Yeah, it's it's funny. So we we raised our A, mm-hmm. and it felt really good. But like it's, I said, it just it just kind of it raises the stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of people, when they think of, oh, I want to take my developer tool and and I want to uh, build it out, they're doing it because it's kind of like the thing to do, right? The, the the overlap between tech and startup is like super high at the moment. Yep. You know, Hacker News is where we all hang, and and this is like fifty percent startup, fifty fifty percent tech, and so you've got you've got a nice like product idea or whatever, and so you think that that the startup trajectory is is the one for you. And and uh, it's actually it's funny. I, I, Talked to a friend who I won't name, mm-hmm. and he was he was really impressed by us. He said, "You actually care about making money." And I said, "Of course, my employees, my my teammates, they mm-hmm. want to feed their families. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they got kids. Yeah, like and our, you can and our, only eat VC money for so long. Yeah, and our customers like they want to sustain business. Yeah, like I don't see it as a bad thing to make money. To make money. Yeah, yeah like yeah. because only the, in the consumer space. Tell me what the delaying making money until until much later is really only kind of happens in the consumer space. Yeah, I mean, I think the primary responsibility of a CEO is to make sure there's money in the bank. Yeah, like because it, it does nobody good. Like for the rethink DB, like their customers are all pissed off at them. Yep, yeah, because they. Well, the, the, there's a movement around rethink DB, the open source product now. Yeah, and the same happened with uh, Cyanogen. I guess that's not a developer tools market. Yeah, and even like um, we interviewed somebody the other day who'd worked at a company whose entire focus was going public. Okay. And then for various reasons they could not go public. Mm-hmm. And he said like the company morale just disintegrated. Wow. Was it because of revenue? There were very legal issues which made that uh, it was impossible for them to go public. Wow. But like that had been their entire north star is yeah, yeah, yeah let's go, go public. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean it, if the values of your company suddenly gets. Decimated like that. Yeah, versus like so. Um, Josh Stein is our investor, and yeah. he, he was in Box, and like you know they went public, and then like the real work begins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's a step in the journey. It's a, it's yeah. an event, but it's not. It's and not they it's, call it an an initial public offering. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not the end of the story. Right. It's and I, the same for us with our seed in our A. It was just mm-hmm. like it was. It was an exciting moment because it meant that we could begin a new chapter. Yeah. But it wasn't the end of the book. Well, this is one of the. One of the challenges that faces, let's say, naive founders, which I think is is almost everyone who who gets into the game, the game never stops. No. Oh. So pe- people talk about exits, right? And there's no such thing as an exit. 
Because you're exiting to someone who has expectations. Oh yeah. Right. And what if you IPO, you're exiting to people who expect you to grow more than thirty percent a year. Yeah. If you're exiting to to a strategic investor, the exit money is connected to golden handcuffs that expects you to hit growth targets or integration targets or or whatever it is you have. And you now have new tools at your disposal, their distribution channels, to to help you get there. And then if you're not exiting, then it doesn't matter what you did last year. It's it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. It's okay, great. You doubled last year, doubled this year, double yeah. the next year, yeah. double until the end of time. Yeah. Like like lily pads in a in a pond. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So along that vein, like you read that Fabric just got acquired by Google. Yeah, that was interesting. So Fabric got acquired from Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. By Firebase. Yeah. The connection is um I wonder whether it was just basically an aqua hire. My my impression was that Fabric wasn't really making any money for them. If I had to guess, which which I will because I have no information. Um, I, I have no inside information yeah. either. I'm just so I mean, Twitter had to get rid of it basically. Well, it was a distraction. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier about right. meaningful. Yeah, like they're trying to focus on tweeting. I have heard many people suggest that it is not that they are focusing, but that they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> And so, like they're they're flailing around in in all sorts of directions, and and people are ascribing some whatever strategy they think is associated to it to like the, the meanderings of a of a madman, as of a blind man. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah actually, the, blind people have a very good sense of direction. Okay, well, it's pretty clear that Jack Dorsey is not blind. Well, I'm just saying, like the the joke, like like a blind person by because necessity. he has no sense of direction. <sighs> so good. Don't make me start punning. <laughs> Let's draw a veil over this. Okay, so Twitter sold Fabric yep. to Firebase, who yep. I guess has something that they know how to do with Fabric. Yeah, and, and I, I honestly don't think either of them are making much money. Firebase and Fabric. Yeah, I don't know any any Firebase metrics. I don't either. They're, they don't break them out. Google expects that Google Cloud will be as big as their ad. Yep. So hundred billion dollar revenue. Yep. If not and they bought Firebase for a very nice amount, as I understand it. I think hundreds of millions. I, I believe it is. It is in the nine-figure range. Yeah. Yeah. Trace commas. Yeah. Se- seven to eleven yeah. figures, yeah. probably. So yeah. So, so so they care about it, and so I, I I would say that it doesn't necessarily need to make money by itself, but it's driving underlying business. And that that I mean, we yeah. keep coming back to the same thing. Is right, that right, right. So we we don't know which it is, but like it it's certainly making Google money. Yeah. And it may not be making Google money. Buy a line item on Firebase, although I wouldn't be surprised if it does. But it's making Google money in, in the line item in in the cloud business. Well, it's basically um, so a trip it. We looked at all our free users as a marketing expense. Mm-hmm. Like we would get in free users and a certain amount of them would monetize yep. onto their our premium products. Yeah, I, I think that the I keep saying the same thing. I think Microsoft and Amazon are looking at these dev products as similar that they are yeah, yeah. getting people in the door on yep. their platform. And then using the underlying. and then they're just selling infrastructure. Yeah, right. so so they're basically using them as a freemium model. Well, it's interesting because you can't get away from the fact that physical computers exist. What what, what I'm getting at is is software is free, right? This is kind of the point. It, it replicates for free, and the hardware does not. Mm. And so you can always give away software for free, mm. but there is a unit cost to selling hardware. And so when you're selling computation, if your business is marking up computation. Because of the software, someone can make the same software. Well, you could argue that all Heroku was doing was well. Of course, it is, and 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 that's it was making it easier to use AWS. Right, right, and then they were marking it up by like eight times. Yeah, and AWS 
had three different product offerings that that tried to kill Heroku or that tried to be their their Heroku one, and they probably eventually hit it with Lambda. Yep, which will probably be a very big business for them. I think Lambda is huge. That's funny because I I heard the opposite. I heard customers of ours who already gone like whole in on it. As I understand it, there's a very limited subset of people. Like the the amount of people who talk about how they've gone all in on Lambda is like very very low. Well, I think it goes back to like like any new market. Are mm-hmm. we seeing the beginning of a wave or a little ripple that's going to die? Oh no, I mean I, I I think we're seeing the beginning of a wave. Yeah, that's what I think. But I I think that we're at the very beginning of that wave. I mean, yeah. So I wrote another article about like serverless and why it matters. Mm, okay, okay. Serverless is interesting. So serverless, the company? No, I just meant the concept. No, of- but but I think so. There is a company called Serverless. So I was they're, they're on the second yeah, floor here. I, I'm friends with them. And so I was actually talking about just the movement of. Well, I understand, but they they named their company after the movement. Yeah, it's genius, which is clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah except yeah. for it's not, but isn't it's it? working for them. Okay, why isn't it clever? It's clever if you can sufficiently dominate that term. Mm-hmm. It's not clever if like um. So I had a friend who actually had a company called Cloud Native. Okay. And then ah uh, yeah 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 that's that's not going to work. Everyone's calling things cloud native, but it do- well that sounds like it's two words. Serverless sounds like it's one word. Yeah, so you have to be very careful about can you own this? Uh huh. Yeah, because serverless was originally like basically the Jaws framework, which is not nearly so catchy. What was it called? Jaws framework. Jaws. Okay. I forget what it stands for. Yeah, but serverless. Like, great, great rename. Yeah. Oh. Brilliant. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Bigger of CircleCI, and Edith Harbaugh of LaunchDarkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. Thank you.